Hello, today I have with me the lovely Dale. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, nice to have you uh, on, Donna. Yeah, my name's Dale Brendan Hyde. I'm an author. Um, I've written short stories, um, poetry. I write crime fiction, which is what I first started off. Uh, my debut book was a crime fiction novel. I've written um, autobiographical crime uh, dealing with my past been in trouble when I was younger um you know that's way in the past but use that sort of uh experience you know for like my writing out of my you know call it your pencil kit I've like been able to like dip into sort of my past and that's been like invaluable for certain uh, you know like writing about crime or things like that um and then I've just done uh I'm just working on someone's autobiography which is um it's crime again but it's more a personal sort of it's a story about someone's betrayal of the father. It's like a you know a, a son and a father story. That's the root of the story, but it shoots off into all sorts of crazy stuff like the Glasgow Mafia, the Tenerife Underworld, the MI5, um, Secret Service, um, terrorism, Hezbollah, um, the timeshare frauds in Tenerife, Brinks Mac Gold robbery. John Palmer, all, all that sort of stuff. It's all, um, you know, connected. It's all connected to the trunk. But like I said, the main part of the story I'm writing, it's, it's the book's called Easy Target. Um, that's what I'm up to at the minute. Did you always want to be a writer? No, I um, when when I was young, when I, I got in trouble, when I was first, when I was, I got to prison when I was about seventeen, and. Um, robberies things like that so I was totally like I'd gone off the tracks big time um did a few years and my first um first thing of any sort of thing creative I was doing A-level laws like on the night classes I wanted to like be a solicitor um but I ended up not doing the exams because they moved me prisons and they didn't have an examination box to, to take your thing so I just I, I then I was like very I was a bit more volatile so I was like right somebody didn't go me on way I was like right I'm going to do something else. Um, and I used to like borrow books out of the library. I think we'll have like two or three books a week out of the prison library. There weren't much on the shelves, you know what I mean? That were, you know, you ended up reading really books that, at that age you wouldn't have picked up, you know, what I mean? you know, like the war and peace sort of thing. You'd think it's not really, I can't sit me at 17 picking that up and reading it on an afternoon if I want lots in myself. But I, I, it kind of gave me that, forced me into reading like quite deep literature. Uh, found a few like authors that I really liked, like Brendan Behan, some Irish writers, Sean O'Casey. Um, but what got me writing, well, um, the name for it is called The Bibliophile, and it's somebody that rips pages out of books, you know, to annoy you. So, like, in the prison, you'd get, like, a book, you'd be reading through it, you'd get to a certain part, and there'd be, there'd be stuff missing. you think, well, where's this going? Or, the end? or somebody'd rip out the last few pages. So, you'd, you know, you'd if you'd not checked the back, I mean, you learn to check it after a while, thinking, you know, somebody rips it out, but... When I was naive to it all, I'd be reading, reading, reading for days on the night and then get to the final sort of chapter and it'd be gone. And I'd think, what, well, you know, why, where's that? So I started writing my own chapters and I started writing my own endings, which again, looking back now, I'm 47 now. I'm going back to when I was 17, 30 years ago. So that like were invaluable now, you know, like it gave me a school in a, a practice, you know, for a couple of years, writing the end of stories, the stories I've been, you know, they weren't even my story. So, yeah, that's what I were. Um, I forgot what I forgot what we're on about then to, to start going on about this. 
that was fine. Um, and what made you take the plunge and decide to try and publish what you'd written? Oh yeah, sorry, you were saying like what got me into writing, yeah. So yeah, no, I, I, I never, I, I will write in a, I, I, the book that I eventually, my debut, The Incron, um, I don't, I, I hadn't it over about 10, over 10 years, must have been over 10 years, do you know what I mean? I were always scribbling down people, it got to be like a bit of a joke, you know, when I'd like, with my friends, I'm like, right, I'm off now, I'm like, oh, where are you going to write a book? I'm like, yeah, you know, and I, what, but I think people didn't believe I was writing this you know, because it was quite a big book, so and it was going on years, but I was kind of steadily scribbling away and scribbling away. Um, when I eventually decided, I'd, uh, before all that, I'd been to uni, got back in, I'd done all the sort of stuff, you know, from the prison, I'd come back out, I'd been to college, I'd redone my exams to get into, like, uni, gone to uni, done all that sort of stuff, just to prove to myself that I'd, like, messed up at school and that I was capable of doing it. Um, and it was some of the teachers and some of the lecturers at university that said to me, they'd read some of my manuscript, my unwritten manuscripts, and said, you know, I'd, I'd gone on a few courses and it wasn't really anything to do with, like, what I wanted to do. By by that time at uni, I wanted to do, like, advertising. Um, so they sort of encouraged me to just, like, leave, leave university, really, and go and I went to some sort of um, art colleges where there were people who were working alongside um, Ian Clayton, who was... He's like a broadcaster up here, sort of BBC Two sort of stuff. And, he's, you know, he's, he's well-known up north. He's not well-known worldwide, but he, he's, a, he's a good character. I had people like him sort of help me. And there were, um, there were like a publishing company up here called Root. Um, it, were on, it were attached to a, this sort of um, art school called the uh, Art Circus. And I did some of the courses there. And we had, there were people on the course like um, who wrote that, Johnny Depp book, you know, the chocolate, um, Joanne Addis. Don't know if you remember Joanne Addis, but Joanne Addis were like on my class, or, you know, in some of my classes, or, you know, she was just, she was around. She published like that chocolate through Roots. And then I had some poetry stuff that I'd been sort of messing about with. And I entered the T.S. Eliot Prize for the best new verse in England and Ireland. But you, the competition stipulations where you had to make your book into a book, you couldn't just send off like all these poems like loose sheaves you had to like make a book so that was the first time I settled down and like put my book together went onto a computer edited everything and root published that I, think I only did like five I don't even have a copy of it myself I think I did five copies and all five copies had to be sent to this T.S. Eliot prize were like 20 quid I didn't win it you don't know if you'd have come second though they don't tell you anything so again my pride got the better of me and I thought oh I didn't win it well, I'm no good at poetry um, and just sort of didn't bother with that for ages, do you know what I mean? And just carried on with the ink run. Um, when I eventually got to looking at all the the, the manuscripts, it was that big. I'd written it on back of envelopes, note, notebooks, there were bits on files, there were bits on other computers, there were bits on phones, there were voice records. There was stuff all over, and I thought, ah, you know, it's a nightmare to edit this. Um, I took myself away for a few weekends over, like, about a year to some caravans, just totally isolated myself, like took some tins of beans, took some soup, took the manuscripts and got down to it. Do you know what I mean? As simple as sort of baby steps, like first, one first pile, that must be what start. Second pile, that's somewhere stuff to do with middle. Third pile, that's to do with end. And just went through this massive mound of like writing, thinking, well, that's definitely, I think, for the beginning. And that's some, no, that's definitely end. Until I'd got them three piles. And then I went through them through and just a, process of going through these file piles 
until you got them like down to some sort of like for you know, and there was stuff there I'd written 10 pages and then you could see I'd trailed off and it was like, well, you know, where's page 11? I don't know. So they were a rough, very rough manuscript, but a massive manuscript. So I like took the plunge, started typing. I got 50,000 words into it and then I got cancer. I got like diagnosed with bowel cancer. Um, that like put me on the back foot again. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, I was dealing with all that. Went to my liver. I had a few like serious operations, chemotherapy, all I was in a mess, you know what I mean? I've I've still been dealing with it up to now, like I've had it um, nine years. I'm clear at the minute, but it keeps coming back in the liver. So I'd got like fifty thousand words typed up and then I like on proper slow go. I think I typed another ten thousand words in the next like two years or something like that. And then I got like cleared again in my liver and I got a bit more energy back, put some weight back on. Seemed to the chemo had like fogged all my brain up as well. So I would as much, I, I wasn't just like physically knackered. I was like mentally shattered as well. So I couldn't even think straight. Never mind, like you know when you think, oh, I'm trying to like I'm in the middle of working on a novel and I, I can't think what I was doing. Um, but I persevered, carried on, and I got it finished. And um, then I got it published by a company up in Yorkshire. Um, they've done pretty well. But when I started with them, and they were quite a small company, they've had quite a lot of number one Amazon number ones. They're called Warcry Press. But I don't really have anything to do with them anymore. They're not. They're not really where. They're not a company I wanted to be involved with. Um, but they got me. They got me published at the start and got my book out. And I'll show you my book. It's, I don't think I should. I don't know if you can see that. So that that's the ink run. Um, mm-hmm. And at, at the start, I, I had it out in like um, hardback. I did limited edition hardback um, that come out that sold out. I did like five hundred, but they all like sold out. And then went to the paperback. And um, paperback's been, you know, steadily on Amazon. Um, and then this, and then like the the new, I'm with a publishing company in the Philippines now called GMGA. Uh, so we've really sort of done the, use the same cover, but I redid the back of it. And I've got some good writers. You, I think you met Paul Finch at Arrogate. So Paul Finch says his uh, writing has an air of authenticity that other crime writers can only dream of. And then I've got Noel Razor Smith. So I use Noel because Noel, Noel's like, um, he's an ex-armed robber, eight life sentences, went through the prison system, went through a system, went through a prison where you rehabilitate yourself and you're on like intense therapy. It's called Grendon. And then he got out and then he's, he's got published by Penguin. He's like Sunday, Sunday Times bestseller. You know, he's done really well with his writing. He's really strong. So I wanted another sort of something that kind of mirrored my own rehabilitation you know I'm all for trying to promote and, and prove that people that have had a bad past or a, a bad start or they've caused themselves a bad start can like turn it round and you know get involved with like these type of um, works you know what I mean so uh, Noel had put Dale Brendan Hyde is an authentic voice from the street a man who has lived the life and writes like he means it the Incron is an extraordinary debut and not to be missed so I had I had, like, good quotes. I had, like, um, nice quotes. Valerie Keogh, another good Irish lady, she's always, like, supported me, always giving me little quotes for stuff. I've used her quotes inside some of my other stuff, um, my poetry books and things like that. Um, best thing I've got going at the minute is on the front now of this um, income, my debut, I've got Sean A. Cosby's quote. Um, Sean's just smashed it all over this year with his, like, Blacktop Wasteland book. Um, he's just won LA Times Book at Year Award. He's top ten New York Times bestseller. He's just been 
shortlisted for the gold uh, CWA Dagger Award. <clears throat> so, you know, you can't do much wrong at, at the minute. So it, I'm really proud to, like, you know, I didn't think he'd give me the quote that I was worrying because I thought he's, he's really, like, flying up there. I thought, oh, he might not, like, let me use it, you know, for the front cover, but it was fine. He knows where I'm coming from. He's had the same, not, not, not the crime sort of background, but he's had an hard working background and, you know, he appreciates that he's had a break and he's getting somewhere. So he, he don't mind like uh, giving someone a bit, of, a bit of help, you know what I mean? So on, on that one, he, uh, Sean quoted me, put like Ed Bunker's debut novel, No Beast So Fierced, the Incron clamps its massive hands on each side of your head and forces you to stare into the pulsating womb that lives in the deepest parts of the darkest hearts. So that that's pretty good. I don't know if you've read Ed Bunker. Ed Bunker's um, one of America's greatest crime writers, so to be compared to like his debut novel is another big big sort of um, pat on the back, you know what I mean? Have you watched Reservoir Dogs? I have. You have? Yeah. yeah so Mr. Blue, Mr. Blue in Reservoir Dogs is Ed Bunker. Mm-hmm. That's who Ed Bunker is. The old, the old guy is. But he's an old crime writer. He's an old con, but he's like he wrote some really good books. Um, I mean, he's passed away now. But... Um, if you were to be a well, I suppose I mean you're kind of in most of your books, but if you were to be a character in any of your books, what, which one would you choose? <laughs> I don't think I'd want to be any of them. <laughs> <laughs> See, this um, is the right answer. This is what I always say when I talk to crime writers. That's the right yeah. answer. <laughs> the right answer is don't be any of them, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I think, I mean, it'd sound a bit funny if I said I wanted to be Nurse Silk. I mean, I'm not, you know. I don't know. All They, they don't fare too well, most of my characters, even the ones that are like, um, I don't know. I, I can't really say, to be honest. The, the Incron's full of, the middle section of the Incron is all set in an asylum like a criminal criminal insane asylum and it's like using olden day methods from like hundreds of years ago so on the morning the characters are getting like sh- strangled and shoved into cold baths you know to wake them up and then chained to logs out on the ground or getting put in cupboards or you know they're on the I've used all the old sort of prison stuff you know where they're on the crank wheel they've got to do 10,000 like you know like this with this crank thing before they get any food or mm-hmm. You know, they're electrocuted all the time, they're, they're mentally tortured. So, uh, yeah, I don't think I want to be any characters in the Incron. Not no. really. <laughs> no. The poetry, the poetry stuff I've done, like I said, I mean, that just, um, that's, my, that's my poetry book, The Gods Are Watching. Um, and then this short story stuff is, that's my short story, it's called The Whiskey Pole. And that's all about, like... Um, it's like a self-help book, you know, for like alcoholics and alcoholism. It's but it's towards like it's based on like Buddhism and spiritualism and rebirth. So it's like the story sent. I won't go on about the story, but the, it, it goes through a story of a character whose family have a trouble with like alcohol, and then he's trying to like stay away from that sort of like pitfalls because he can see where it's led, and he eventually sort of dies the alcohol gets him but then he's sort of reborn and then it and then it starts like over in Spain the story and he's a young boy again and he's inherited like this uh, vast like vineyard you know what I mean he's got all this responsibility and workers but he's surrounded by all this like wine so he's still got this problem like going on and it's like like a you know when you have a deja vu he's getting all these thoughts like 
or you can think he used to be somebody before, like a rebirth, the sort of Buddhism. If you don't get life right this time, apparently you'll uh, you'll be reborn lower down, and you have to try and get that right before you get back up. So it's a bit like that. So like a self centered like on helping anybody that's got a problem, or you know, I suppose you could work for drugs, but it's more based around alcohol. So that's that's another thing I've done, and then the last last thing I've just wrote is this. It's called Stitched, and this is like an autobiographical. It's um it's a crime book, and it's all to do with like miscarriages of justice, being trapped in prison when you've not committed a crime, and all the all the trouble and all the uh, all the all the sort of things, all the tribulations you've got to go through to not only deal with prison while you're in there as an innocent person, but the problems that you look, that'll occur to you when you actually get freed. Uh, like in this, I were like acquitted from the Royal Courts of Appeal in London. You know, you couldn't get any higher judges to say you're free to go. We made a mistake. Sorry. They only sort of say sorry. They don't, they never, you know, they're, they're sorry, but they're not that sorry that they'll like give you some, you know, it's hard to get compensation. I'll give up on all that sort of stuff. I just, I don't even bother anymore. It's just a waste of your brain. But it, it's a story about that sort of thing that, what can happen to people like that? And it's more for like the small people on the street. I think the miscarriages of justice stories have been covered in British crime with the big sort of things like the Guildford Four or the Birmingham Six. And you've heard, most people have heard of them cases, but you haven't heard of Joe Bloggs being sent to prison for 10 years or something, or somebody's done a life sentence. So it's more centered around people who you wouldn't have heard about, do you know what I mean? And just, just to give a warning and just, just to show you how the courts can get it wrong and just how ridiculous sometimes they're. Uh, the Crown Court trial can be. So that's where that's where I'm at writing wise at the minute. Busy, busy then. <laughs> You've crammed a lot in in a short space of time. Yeah, I've been <laughs> yeah, I've been pretty busy over the last few years. Just like I said, on top of like all this, I've had the cancer back in my liver. Uh, I've had it three times in my liver, so I keep sort of getting two years clear. Just sort of getting back on my feet. You know, I'm not doing jumping jacks or skipping about, but I'm getting back on my feet. You know, I don't need my mum to put my socks on. You know, I'm like, mum, can you put my socks on? I can't bend down. Um, you know, at 47, it's a bit embarrassing, isn't it, when you've got your mum putting your socks on. But I get, I've got back on my feet, pushed myself back, and then it's come back every two years. So I keep sort of getting a chance to work a little bit. But I just pray to God, you know what I mean? I, I, hope, I hope I can show people what I can do if I just get left alone. You know, if I can just be healthy and just left alone to concentrate on writing, then I'll be able to really... Um, crack on with, with all the ideas and I've got loads of books in me so that's what that's what I'm hoping to do. Um, obviously we met at Harrogate on Saturday and uh, yeah. you, you seem to know uh, quite a few authors there so you must have a lot of support from fellow authors. Yes yeah I've had a lot of support um, there's been some really good I mean I've had a you know on a negative thing it's been I'd say 98% positive, 2% negative. And I reckon in any line of work, you're going to get that. Or maybe in the early days, I've got too big a mouth and put my foot in it maybe somewhere along the line. And you, you live and learn, but you've got to make your own path. You know what I mean? You can't... Um, I see too many people ass-kissing like some writers. You think, oh, God, you know, because you've heard of them. And you might not agree with something that they're saying. A lot of people are scared to say, well, I don't agree with that. Because they're like, oh, well, if you don't agree with it, you can shove off away from my little group and it's like you don't you know you a lot of people are worried about outside in the cell you know putting themselves outside of certain circles and maybe i have done that with a, a few people but i've also like got 
some strong circles of friends in the writing community and in you know and out of the writing community as well so I don't really worry about if I've upset a couple of people because I've met a lot of good friends and I've, I've met a lot of good um, networking contacts and you know you, you need a team around you definitely you know like you think you're sort of a one-man band but you learn over time that you know it's important to have certain people to help like like how I'm talking to you now bloggers the people that do that you know without them type of people you know writers that struggle a lot as well do you know what I mean like because not a lot of people are in the bookshops do you know what I mean not not everybody's in I've been lucky enough to sort of be in Waterstones or you know my books have done okay on Amazon or like when Stitch come out it went to number one on the new release you know straight away and like the crowd you know not not like on the massive chart a lot of people as well get that like mixed up. People are like, "Oh, I'm a number one writer." And you're like, "All oh, right, uh, what number one? Number one?" And they're like, "Oh no, I'm number one in like, you know, my auntie, my auntie's ca- auntie auntie category or something." You think, "Oh, never," you know. That is good. It's good to. It's good. It's a. I'd say it's more an ego thing. You know, I'm like, I've had a few number ones in like boxing categories. I've had number ones in um, crime biography sort of categories. Um, but I've not had the number closest I've come on the Amazon proper charts. I think I've got to about somewhere like now four thousand something, which is not bad out of all the millions of books. It's not too bad. Uh, broke on some of the more like serious categories, like thrillers um, or like just in your main fiction thing. I've, I've like broke top one hundred, top two hundred before. In, you know, with certain books with the income when it first come out. So I'd, because I've been doing it that long, I, I built up a few pages on like Facebook page for it and Twitter, and you know, like so I had a little bit of a, a little bit of a cult following, more or less sort of like you know when the hell's this book coming out, Dale? So like oh you know, just kept sending fo- posting photos of my desk or po- photos of me like piles of stuff, you know, people like that's great, but any any closer to the book. <laughs> so, but I got there in the end and everybody I got great it's, it's had fantastic reviews it's got um, I think it's got about 135 star reviews in on, on Amazon all like in-depth reviews and some really top writers as well and other people in like um, in really good jobs you know I mean I've had people even from like uh, sort of spies in people that have worked with MI5 and stuff like that say like uh, um, you know it's an amazing in-depth story fascinating you know what I mean about the in, ins and outs of the asylum and catching people and I've even had like one guy that worked for the CIA say it's too believable to be fiction and I'm like <laughs> so you must be doing something right because it is a fiction book so for someone someone who works in sort of secret service to say well that, you know I've read that and I, I don't think that's fiction I think he, he's telling some truths in there maybe some good research and maybe some truths that I've maybe heard somewhere else or maybe there's a little bit of me in, inside some of it but you know I'm not going around murdering you know I think there's about 30 murders in the income you know I'm not a like, mass killer or something but I'd say I'm you know like I said I take it as a backhanded compliment when someone says we don't believe it's fiction we thought it were fact, factual right and it's like that's okay um, and now, have you this... got if you got over what? meeting Ian Rankin yet <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I have actually. Like I say, sometimes you meet people and it's just, you know, um, yeah, it, it was nice to nice to see him. It was, it was nice to say hello to him and got I got a photo off him, didn't I? Like eventually, you know, when he wandered off and I went, I had to sort of 
go and uh, run <laughs> after him. <laughs> but there's some, there's some there that you know, like I said, there's some writers there now. I've known them a few years, and it's like you don't feel like you know you don't have to like say to everybody, should we get a photo? Do you know what I mean? It's like you, you know, you, you, you want to. It's, it's nice. It's nice to sort of meet some of these. I met like the first time I went to the Arrogant Festival. The first I got there on my own. I didn't have anybody with me. I was like nervous i were walking about i were all like suited like i come a bit more casual this time but i had like full suit on boots on but oh, i've got to make an impression you know what i mean i were like first person i saw was like lee child he was like hello like, and he's like what you got there i'd like a few books in my hand he's like what you got under your arm there what's that so that's oh, just some of my books and you won't have heard of it it's like oh let's have a look so i'm like giving one of the copies of the inker and he's like oh flick through it he's like this looks really good i'm like oh you can have a copy if you want he went, well, yeah, I will, on one condition. And I thought, what's a good thing? I was like, um, what? And he went, as long as you sign it for me. And I was like, I, I, I'm supposed to be asking you to sign things for me. You're all child. He's like, no, no. So I signed it, but I said to him, again, like I said at the start of this, a little bit of cheek, I went, I'll sign it for you, but I'll put my email in. Will you promise you'll read it and email me some, me some feedback? And he promised to do. I've not heard nothing back. Um, but... <laughs> You know, you never know. You've just got to, like you say, not everything you'll attempt to try to capture um, in, with some people will work out, but you never know whether it will. So just always put yourself out there. Always get your business cards ready. Always get, you know, like you say, make yourself look as professional as you can with everything you're doing. Um, and, you know, just work hard. You'll get there in the end, whatever, you, whatever you're trying to do. I don't think we had our pitch taken together, did we? I don't remember having my picture no. with you. It's not good enough. No, I don't think so. I mean, I would I would in and out because I'd got some tickets for Summit at five o'clock just to get on the lawn and I'd been for Summit to eat with Malcolm Olindrake just before in Debbie and then me and Jean and my partner, we went off and had some Italian at that Portofino and then we come back and then, I don't know, it just died down a bit and I was, I was just feeling a bit, I thought, I'm going to go, do you know what I mean? Because I've kind of, you know, I've shown my face and, you know, it would have different. It felt a little bit different this year. Do you know what I mean? It was okay, but because of the COVID and everything, it it, it wasn't the same. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it's still a good festival. I mean, again, you're going to need a lot of money. This is another thing we like writers. You know, if you want to go around all them sort of um, things that are booked in, like you know, like what writers, the top writers, obviously, have some sort of PA, and they'll be like, right, you know. January, you've got this event to go. Or you've got this end. You know, February, you've got the that. When you look at the money for stuff like that, do you know what I mean, even if you went to sort of like the top, you know, one of the festivals up in Scotland, if you went to like Hay on Wire, if you went to like the London Book Fair, if you went to Harrogate, if you went to like Crime, I think there's Crime Fest at Bristol. I think I'm right on that. I'm not sure, but yeah. there's, a, there's a few, do you know what I mean? If you end up doing that and you've got to go, you know, hotels, travel, food, you know, it costs a fortune. You know, and if you're not getting anything back, so this year there were definitely some people that didn't go to Arrogate that used it Arrogate, um, whether they thought it were worthwhile going, I don't know, but I don't know. We were there, I suppose. Yeah. And I didn't get a picture. That's just ruined my whole weekend. <laughs> you have to just screenshot this like that. You have to just screenshot this. Not the same. I've got my we'll get one next time. Yes, we will. We'll get one next time, definitely. I put my hotel for next year already. I loved it. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it's really good. Like I say, it's a, it's a great festival. Um, I've done 
Malcolm had started putting on some things um, at Wigan. He'd done this Wigan Noir, like a night where we'd gone to these the old courts at Wigan. And they were good, you know what I mean? They were starting to build. I think he should do some more of them, Malcolm. I think he'd done. I think he's on his third one. Um, but I, I kind of took the stage there, and he, because I knew Malcolm, he like he was like, come and do a talk, and I was like, who's on? And he was reeling all these names. I'm thinking they're quite big writers. Do you know what I mean? They've he sold a million copies. Of it. She's really published by somebody big. That they're, they're quite well known. But I did okay. Like I said, even on my first reading. Afterwards, we went into like the judges' chambers to sell his books, and all the people that had listened to everybody reading who were a lot bigger than me, everybody that come to buy books at the end, I was the one that sold the most books. So it just goes to show, you know what I mean? If you know, it depends whether they've heard something new that they like. Now, readers are pretty fickle, aren't they? You know, when they go into a bookshop, and if you're trying to get them to go into a bookshop, and they're they're fav- they've got the favourite authors already in their head, aren't they? They, they know who they like, and they'll go in and. Nothing will prize them away. It's be like, oh, no, you shouldn't really try that book. No, I'm off to get this. Well, it's not that good. Honestly, his new book's not that good. Well, I'm still getting it. And you're trying to compete price-wise as well. You know, you've got somebody like Seth Stephen King. He's been around since the dinosaurs. He's a, he's able. To, he's already earned his millions, you know what I mean, or hundreds of millions. He's able to put his books down at three quid, three fifty, or, you know, supermarket prices. And they're still selling in massive volume. So you're you're thinking, well, I can't put it down at that price because it's cost me more than that to have it made because I'm not I ain't got a massive distribution uh, machine behind me. You know what I mean? You're dealing with smaller print presses, um, smaller pub, excuse me, smaller publishers. So you you're up against it. Do you know what I mean? To like try to set somebody, well, oh, that's Stephen King book there for three fifty, but here's the ink run at nine ninety five. You know, and they're like, well, I've done. I've never even heard of you. You're like, yeah, but honestly, I might, you know, you might be missing out on. This is why it's hard for new writers to sort of. It takes so long for new writers to emerge and for the old writers at the top of the game for them to. And who can blame them, really? I'm sure if I ever get up there, I'll hold on as long as they do. Do you know what I mean? If you because you know they've not just got there overnight. You know, it. I think every writer's you've definitely got to break your bones and go through all these processes and. You'll have a lot of heartache along the way, and a lot of a lot of work, and a lot of pressure, and a lot of stress, and a lot of thinking. Shall I just give up? Um, but if you're true to it, you'll stick to it, and hopefully you'll um, you'll get whatever you know, whatever it is you're looking for. Like I said, sometimes you 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 have um you have goals, and then you reach them, and then you think, well, what that be goal? Do you know what I mean? Like I, I could say, well, I'm, I've done okay. I've, I've published some books. I'm all right. I, I can consider myself a writer. I'm I'm out of it. I'm going to do something else. But um, if it's in you, you just you know you're drawn to writing. Um, you've got no choice in the matter. I don't think. Yeah. Um, what's been so, your favourite moment so far? What's been favorite your favourite moment? <laughs> um, I think I think getting like stuff in my local newspapers has been nice. Do you know what I mean? Because like I said, going back again to when I was in trouble years ago. The reports from courts reporter, I knew him, but he only knew me from coming in and out of the courts. Do you know what I mean? So when I eventually zoomed back twenty odd years later, and went like with me, capping me and saying, "Oh, you know, can you write a piece on me? I've published a book," and he were like, "That's brilliant." Do you know what I mean? So they did a really good write up, you know, like on me, and they've kind of supported me really well. Going into the library, local library, that's that's that was probably one of the nicest things. Just a simple. Simple things, you know what I mean? I, I went in to see if my books were on the shelves. I'd put them in the library. I'd put the ad back in there. And as I went looking for it, 
it will. Some people would probably think you'd staged it, but it was just genuinely. I went round the corner, and there's little old guy there with it, like looking through the pages. And I like went and stood near him, and I went, "Oh, you're gonna get that? You're gonna get that out? Get that book out, mate?" He went, "Yeah, I think so." I went, "Oh," I said, "I'd get it out." He went, "Oh, have you read it?" I went, "Yeah." I said, "I read it." He went, "Never." Like proper little old Yorkshire guy, you know, flat cap and walking stick. He had it on. It's a massive book, dude. Hang on, let me just get a copy. Hang on. Like, can you see that? Like that, where the art. You see the size of it. Like that's how it come out in the. It's like a door. If you don't like it as a book when you buy it, you can just chuck it at somebody. <laughs> so he, he would just he was just getting that out and, and he was like really chuffed and I was telling him and you know I, w I went to the count with him and watched him stamp it out and walk off and that little things like that to me were the um, sort of things like that yeah because I'd always sort of gone in the libraries as a kid you know like sort of it was a quiet place away from home and I was a bit of a library rat you know always hanging about in the libraries and so yeah just stuff like that I mean I've had you know what you'd maybe consider bigger bigger achievements than somebody getting your book out but personal what what made me feel good about why I, why I started writing and what, what it's all about just seeing some little old man check my book out of the library yeah. and what's your biggest dream or your biggest aim biggest aim um, definitely like getting on with one of the top publishers I'd, when, I'd, when I'd first started with the Inkling I'd, I'd got in touch with Jamie Bing at Canningate and I kind of, again, pestered him a little bit on Twitter. I kept sending him photos of my desk saying, "This, I'm writing the next best-selling book, mate. You need to look at this book. And he just, I just thought, just ignore me. And then one day, he like, added me on Twitter, so then you can direct message him. And I thought, oh, I've got you. So then I started, like, like when I say bombarding, I'm not like a stalker. I just meant, like, every month I'd send him a message saying, hi, Jamie, daily, and again, drop me in, just seeing if you've... Uh, you know, looked and looked any more into like what I'm putting on Twitter and things I'm saying about this synchron. And eventually, he ended up getting on the phone to me. So I had like the director of the Canongate on the phone to me when I'd not even published a book, and I was like just sat in like my sort of second bedroom as an office, thinking, you know, phone ringer, thinking, can I've got like Jamie Bing on the phone here, and he's like interested in what I'm doing. Um, I sent half of the book to him, and he promised to read it. He did read some of it. Then I sent then I sent him something else. Uh, and then I got this offer off this war cry press to just do it straight away. And I think I was a bit scared. Um, that Jamie had sort of said, until I can read a full manuscript, obviously I can't make any any promises, do you know what I mean? But he'd liked, he'd liked what he'd read when I'd sent him like the first half of it. Uh, I should have stuck to my guns there and waited for that and gone after the big big publisher. But as a as a newbie getting your feet wet again, pitfalls are right and you don't know whether you're doing the right thing or not. This is definitely a mistake I made, or or is it? I don't know. But this is my path I led out. So I went and got published with this War Cry Press. It was only a small publisher. Like I said, they've got they've gone on to do a lot of number ones. Um but at the start, yeah, I should have sort of yeah, my goals are to get back to someone like Canongate uh and, and get a proper number one. Like, you know, on the on the overall chart, you know what I mean? A best selling book. It like the New York Times best selling. Which again, you know, it seems miles off when you think about it, but then I, I look at my own debut and I see Sean on the cover of that and I think Lee's just done it and he, he knows where I'm at and he likes my work, you know what I mean? So 
I don't feel I'm too far off. You know, you sometimes feel you're piggybacking on a few people. And and again, people, there'll be some people who are negative will say, oh, he's jumping on names a bit. But you've got to do that. In my opinion, you if, if you get a chance to connect your name to someone and it's genuine, you can't just like pick them out of nowhere and, and, and make out the pals if you don't even know them. But when you've, when you've genuinely got the quotes of someone that's just one like LA Times book a year on, on front of your book, you, you need to shout it out as loud as you can, do you know what I mean? Because it's just reflecting upon me. So anything he's doing now, all his success, yet it's his success and, I, you know, and it's great that he's got that success. But for me, on a couple of rung, you know, ladder rungs down, I'm like proud that I've got people like that on my book, you know what I mean? So I, I feel I'm building myself to get him where mm-hmm. I want to get. So definitely aiming for the top, yeah. Well soon. I hope you get there. What about you? What are your what are your aims? Oh, I don't know. I've just finished a degree, which I should do something with. I've also written a book that hasn't been published yet. Mm. Um, and then I do this stuff. Right. And I don't know which way to go, which which way to to go in the future. Well, doing what doing this, doing this is a, doing what you're doing now is a great insight into like like you say, you can find all sorts of information out by speaking to other writers and publishers and things like that. So when the time's right for you to think about approaching a publisher, hopefully by then you'll have some contacts and people, you know, because you can land a sub, you can land a submission on someone's desk and you know without it jumping off the page. But if you've got some sort of like f- familiarity with them, it's a lot easier, isn't it? Do you know what I mean for them to think, oh, that's that's Donna's, so, you know they'll. They'll read them things a little bit more careful because they've got that personal connection between yourself. So I think, I mean, I've seen other bloggers um, from a few years back that they were just blogging and they've definitely become writers and published and doing quite well with the bookshop. I mean, but I'm pretty sure that what they'd put in, the legwork they'd put in with the blogging, they'd put them in good stead for when they eventually put their own thing out. They had a bit of a following from the blogging that then transferred over onto the sales for the books you know what I mean so it's not a bad it's a it's not it's quite a clever way to to get involved in that sense do you know what I mean yeah so, I yeah. mean and I what love did, doing this anyway <laughs> yeah what were you de- what degree did you do forensic science what were your degree okay so you, yeah so you're gonna know plenty of stuff about burying bodies and digging them up yeah how to kill people and get away with it you need to know all these things if you're going to write about them. I mean, I in in that income book, there's um, I had like the asylum part, and it was like ten year period. And I'm thinking I can't write every day. You know, you know, today I looked at bloody window, and you know, and tomorrow. <laughs> so I, I, how can I how can I move ten years along at a fast pace, but still keep like that? You can still sense that ten years has gone by. So I had this thought about. The medication, one of the main characters, Otis, is he's the one that's sort of trapped in this asylum on this experimental wing. The government have set this wing up experimenting on him. It's like a personal thing for the government, just like a think tank thing that they've set up to, to experiment with this olden day stuff. And the more he's taking the medication, the more he's sort of dropping down into these, and I call them like the ocean, ocean dreams. So I researched loads of oceanography sort of stuff. So he's like sort of you know, monging out on the tablets and injections. And then he's like, the Pacific's like emptying. 
and then he's like, oh, it's like this ex exploration sort of chapters. It's only to move you along, so I could then bring him out of these things and say, you're not as simple as saying three months has gone past, but we're cleverer than that, explaining how like chunks of time's moved along. But instead of just you thinking, well, where's that bit of time gone? You've been down in this dream yourself, so when you surf, when I bring you back up, it's almost like I've took you down and brought you back up and you can sense that you've moved along yourself or or you can sense that it makes sense that sometimes past because of how deep you've gone down in this oceanography sort of tale and and that's a different little story in itself you know like little different stories layering stories on top of stories so i'm big into that i don't just like to write first person or third person i like i like springing off in all sorts of crazy <laughs> crazy ways yeah that would be me i think <laughs> Yeah, yeah right. well, it makes it more interesting. But, you know, when you're reading stuff, I can, I, I can pick a book. You know, I've kind of I pick books up now and I just, I know within five minutes whether I'm going to bother. I ain't got time to read a bad book. You know what I mean? It's like if something, if I think straight away, I think, oh, this is, you know, I've, I've heard this before or I know where this is going or it's a cliche style of writing or it's not, it's not gripping me. I just won't bother. But if something gets me, then I will, I will, I'll give it all my attention, do you know what I mean? And I'll, I'll read it numerous times, do you know what I mean? And, and make sure I've read it first time. I've read many a book where I've read it first time and thought, oh, yeah, that's good. And then I've read it again and thought, wow, it's really good. I didn't, I didn't really get it first time. Read it a third time and thought, it's, it's a really good book, you know what I mean? Because it's held me attention for the third time. And then you've got them special books that you can read them over your lifetime, do you know what I mean? And you'll probably just, they'll always be on your shelf, but they're like your best friends. You'll always think, well, I know if I pull that book down and sit down and read that, I'll get that nice, it's like watching a nice film, isn't it? You know what you're getting, but you still got that excitement, even though you know what's coming. It's like watching Shawshank Redemption. You know what's going to happen, but it's still a good film. So I, I love books like that. that. That's what I've always, my life is, you know, I've, I've got a look, I've got a fair few bookshelves. Or so I think again with the writing, if you're not a big, you know, you've got to be a massive reader to be a writer. It, it just comes hand in hand. You know, you, I don't, you know, this. I look at some of these groups that are online, you know, like for help and advice, and I think some of them are just taking piss. Some of the questions they ask, it, you know, I think I feel sorry for them. I think if that's where you're at, genuinely, I wouldn't bother trying to like learn how to do this because. There's a, so so much depth to like what you need to learn, like a life a lifetime not enough to, uh, to 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 master it. I don't think is it. No, so it's people like Malcolm that don't read and yet still write amazing books. I can't understand Malcolm how he don't read. I mean, I, probably because he's been a teacher that long, he's probably sick of bloody reading books, and textbooks, <laughs> and stuff. Do you know what I mean? And I know he was out in Egypt. Uh, that's how I see Malcolm. Like some of them people like that. They are like, um, I won't say father figures, but, you know, they're like them school teach, they're them sort of figures that I needed back when I was a young and causing mayhem, do you know what I mean? But I, I wore uncontrollable back then. But now they, they definitely guide me. Um, you know, like Paul Finch, ex-sort of Salford Bobby, years ago, I wouldn't even have spoke to him. You know, if somebody said, oh, I'm an ex-policeman, I'd be like, ah, speaking here, mate. <laughs> now I'm like, I love speaking to him, do you know what I mean? And again, he's... He's, I, I like to think he's sort of seen something in my writing where he's, he's, he knows I've reformed myself and he can forgive that I've been in trouble when I was younger, even though he's been on the other side of law. And he knows I've done, he knows how much hard work I put into turning over into a different person. 
So he like backs me up, do you know what I mean, with his quotes and with his with his help, do you know what I mean? Same with Malcolm, always asks me to go on things and yeah, they're important to have them sort of allies in in the writing game. Um, without them, I'd, I'd be struggling a lot more than I do. Yeah, it's lovely. And even um, as a, a reader and a blogger, Malcolm's amazing. You know, he's, he interviewed me because, uh, well, I thought he was going to be mean, but he wasn't. He was actually lovely and got loads of uh, authors that I'd interviewed to ask me a question. Yeah. Um, and then done an interview and asked me all these questions, which was really lovely, actually. So yeah. Yeah, he's very he's very selfless, you know. Like in the you know he could do a lot of the stuff for himself, do you know what I mean? But he'd, yeah, he'll give you he'll give you his time and his energy and his contacts and anything he can do to help you. He's definitely one of them. He's definitely one of the nicest people in the writing game, Malcolm. Hundred percent. You know what I mean? Yes, he in is. In my yeah. opinion, I think not just in my opinion. Like I said, a lot of people will agree with, me, but for me personally, he's. Yeah, I really like what he, what he brings to. Um, like I said, there's a few there's a few assholes in writing. Do you know what I mean? And some people would say I'm one of them. Do you know what I mean? But that's their opinion. But I have my own opinion on on certain people too. And there's certain people that are a bit sneaky, and they I don't think they want you to achieve. You know, they're quite happy sort of. If they're up, you know, if they're here, then you're there. They think oh, he's coming up, and they think oh. They don't, a lot of people, some of them, they don't, they don't like you chasing the uh, coattails. Do you know what I mean? Maybe they're worried. Maybe they're worried that you'll cut, you'll go above them, and then um, maybe blank them out. Or you know, there's, there's definitely that that goes on. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the background of writing. What obviously the readers don't see, and you know, some of the other writers don't know about. Do you know what I mean? There can be like public spats that go on and. You know, people, you know, somebody might have a bigger audience, bigger fan base, so they'll all back up their author. And someone with a small fan base can be look, looked upon as if what they're saying is just rubbish. Do you know what I mean? But, you know, the smaller the smaller writer might be in the right with, with what the argument is about, but they could just be like a, a tidal wave of opinion from a bigger writer because they've got all the fans, like, backing them up. And after a while, you, you kind of back out and think, Christ, you know what I mean? It's you got to get yourself out of some of these situations and just, you know, people, again, like Malcolm say, don't bother putting your political views on Facebook. Don't bother putting, you know, because it can upset people and, you know, you're trying to be neutral and we are you supposed to be? I don't know. I, I just I just think, that, I just want to, you know, when you said, what's, my, what's your aspiration? My aspiration is for people to just take my writing on board. Don't forget who I am or how I talk or how I look or what, whoever I've been or what I, you know what I mean? Just just read my stuff and tell me tell me whether my stuff's any good. That's all I'm interested. In. That's that's the opinion I'm interested. In. I'm not I'm not that bothered about a multitude of people's opinions about whether I'm a nice person or whether I'm a good person. Or I know I am, and everybody around me who knows me knows I'm okay. Um, but it's like I say, it's the majority of people that you want. You want to know what 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 they think about your writing. Yeah, well, I like you as well, and I've only sort of spoke to you twice. So as another person on your team. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm, I just say you know I'm very much like that. I just I'm pretty. Maybe again, some people can take me as being a little bit um, not rude, but sometimes a little bit abrupt. I can be a bit like. Hey, oh, oh. And they're like, you know, you don't know their personalities. You sometimes can 
overwhelm someone by being too forward, do you know what I mean? And then that puts them on back foot. So then they're like, and then you're trying to get through to them and you think, oh, and you think they're retreating, you're trying to go forward. It's this, you know, it doesn't work, does it? Um, but, but it's all fun and games. Like I said, I've, I've stopped a um, long time ago. I don't, I don't let anything, you know, I don't like think, oh, that's upset me oh, and, let, and let it, let it affect my work. Do you know what I mean? I just crack on with what I'm doing. I've focused on what I'm doing. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm writing. I know what projects I'm on with. I know what projects I've got, like, set up to do. Um, and I just keep pl- just keep ploughing on, just keep plodding away and uh, see what happens. And what do you like to do when you're not writing? Um, I, well, travelling mostly, but obviously we, like I said, even with the cancer, I've still travelled, you know, quite a lot like Hong Kong, Malaysia, the Middle East, um, then then Mexico, you know, then India, you know, like them. I like to get away, you know, proper. Um, but with the, how the COVID's been, we've just been um, traveling, enjoying like finding loads of little places in England that you think you've all you've heard of them before. I've never been there. I've never been to Norfolk. It's got a, a lovely. Never been to Durham. Beautiful. Never been to you know. Holy Island, a bit further up, been you know little things like that. I'm I'm not far from Leeds. I'm not far from York, so I like going into like Leeds. Leeds is quite bustling. It's got a good vibe. Um, I like going into York. All my mum's family are from York. I like going to Manchester. That's where I'm, I'm from originally, and all my dad's family are from. Um, I just I'm a, I'm a quite an own body. I used to be like go out quite a lot, you know, I'm the, you know having a bit of a party, but I'm uh, I'm happy just sort of watching Netflix. Feet up. I've got a dog walk my dog um you know i do artwork i'm still catching up on a load of stuff um you know like i said the cancer slowed me down a lot of things so even to the point of like walls that i thought you know i've been looking at certain walls thinking i'm going to decorate that and, you know i'll do it do it another day there's loads of things i'm uh, i used to do a lot of boxing but i can't do that anymore because of like what's happened so um i like swimming stuff like that but mainly just reading, watching a bit of tea, just normal stuff. I don't, you know, I like going out now and again for food, not, you know, seeing my mates now and again, cinema, stuff, just just normal stuff, nothing like crazy out there. But like I said, if I do if I do get a chance to travel, then you know, I like to go pretty far away. And I've lived a few times in Middle East. I've lived in Norway, lived in a few different countries. So, yeah. which again helps you with your writing. It gives you a good background. Um, yeah. Awesome. Um, what's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you? Embarrassing thing? <laughs> I don't know. Off the top of my head, most embarrassing thing. I ain't got. I ain't got one. Just loads of little mint. Nothing like again. Nothing like a major. You know, I've never. I've not like been. Stood on edge of a cliff and fought, fell off it backwards and all that. I've not done out spectacular, just just silly, you know, just little <laughs> things where you've fallen off your bike or something and everybody's seen you. Or chatting a girl up once when I was young and I had to like drink in my hand and I'm like chatting her up, thinking I was like, you know, giving it all the. And I took a swig of my drink and she was like laughing and I'm like, oh, you know, I thought she was laughing at something I was saying. And somebody had like put the cig out, you know, I put my glass down somewhere and somebody must have, well, years ago when you could smoke, somebody must have put the cig out and I'd, I'd not seen it because it was dark. Uh, so she's looking at me, chatting her up. I've got this like sig float about my drink, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, you're right, love." 
And then I'm like sipping it and laughing and <laughs> stuff like that. Maybe just little things. What about yourself? <laughs> Cheeky. Um, I have loads as well. Hmm. Uh, what one will I share? <laughs> I ended I'll up in. It. End up in A and E dressed as Mrs. Santa um, on the day before Christmas Eve with one of my colleagues because she thought she'd break her foot. That was quite right. embarrassing. Um, yeah, I suppose stuff like that. Yeah, you know, I've um, I've not really done all like that. Me, me, one of my uncles is more like that. You know, he's like sort of gone on holiday, gone back to his room in the afternoon, gone for a sleep, had no on. Woke up at bloody eight o'clock for oh, drunk more stuff. Gone out of the room just to just to see where somebody is. The door's locked behind him. He doesn't know where he is. He's gone down in elevator with no one. He's gone into reception and he's wandering around, you know, with everything hanging out. <laughs> Things like that, you know. But yeah, no, I'm not like that. I'm pretty. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't trip up too much. Hopefully. I love asking the guys. Well, I love asking that question anyway, but I love asking the guys because generally their answer involves nakedness and alcohol. And it yeah, you, two, which is just hilarious. But mine, mine's been more like serious stuff. You know, I wish I had woke up in like you know A and E with with no one thinking it's to laugh. But I've I've woke up with like broken jaws, you know, head split open, nose hanging off. Um, Hands, bro- hands broke, you know, things like that. I, when I was younger, um, you know, waking up in police cells quite a lot, you know, not knowing, think, waiting for them to come and tell you what what you've done, not 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 knowing what you've done, thinking, shit, I hope, you know, I don't know. It's all a surprise to me, you know, when they're shuffling the new papers saying, right, they'll want to interview you. It's like, all right, <laughs> what have I done now? <laughs> um, you know, one of them. But thanks, you know, thank God all that is um, well and truly behind me, do you know what I mean? But like I said, it's to, for me now with the writing, that, that it was something I always used to hate about myself, but now I can, I feel I can tap into that when I want to tap into it, do you know what I mean? It was like, um, like people have said with the asylum parts, so, oh, you know, it's written so, so well, so descriptive. Have you been in an asylum? Like, no, but it was easy to research at my local asylum museum and then I kind of pinned, I, I printed out a map of it from an old book of the asylum, like floor plan. So I had that on my office. So I knew where all my characters were, you know, like because some were in Scully, some were in dining room, some were on the ward, some were down the segregation. So I, I used this like actual floor plan of the old uh, Stanley Royd Asylum. But all I had to do was just switch over my footprint from walking in, walking around in prison, to walk to switch it to an asylum. Not much difference except for obviously it's an hospital and one's a prison. So. Yeah, in, the, in that sense, my background, like Paul Finch says, I've got um, I've got an air of authenticity that other crime writers can only dream about because I know what I'm on about, you know what I mean? If I want to write about where it's like to sit in a cell, I know exactly what I'm talking about. I've sit in work, you know, I've been all Brixton, Liverpool, Birmingham, Armley, all, you know, that I've been in loads of them, do you know what I mean? All like big nicks and that, do you know what I mean? And been in all the old like cells, um, so yeah, that's always coming handy for like the crime stuff, like your forensic science stuff. I've I've got like, I've got my own experience which I can put put over, like you know, like the re- it's good for the reader because I'm like genuinely know what I'm talking about. Uh, do you get a lot of feedback from your readers? Yeah, definitely. Like 
I also like to keep myself open. If I sell a book like privately, I'll always like say to them, you know, like when you're reading it, if you want to message me, if you get to a point where there's something you want to ask or, you know, if you want to just, um, you know, if you just want to message me, do you know what I mean? And I've, I've had a few like that where I've sold him a book and then like a week later they're like, oh God, I'm like proper, you know, I can't put this book down. And then like people message me like, oh, I'm just going to, re-, you know, I'm just random, like, oh, I'm just going to read the chapter now before I'm see. Or I'm just running bath now and I'm, oh, I can't wait. I'm running bath. I can't wait for bath to be run. I'm, I'm just going to finish the last few chapters. And that's nice. Do you know what I mean? Because you kind of feel, you know, you've got, again, that you want to keep that connection. It's not just you want to keep that connection so that if you bring anything up, it's it's wise to do it if you're thinking of money and thinking of your next books and think, well, it's good to get that reader on board because then when you put something else out, they can connect a lot easier to you if you've got that personal touch. But that's not why I first did it it was actually like I said I'm interested in what people think about what I'm writing and I want to know how they're interacting you know I like to be sat here thinking you know that's a nice spot when you think uh, there's certain people on the holidays that are reading your book right now or there's people like Lady Bath reading your book or there's people sat out in the garden reading one of your books that's what's nice about it um, if you're able to spend a day with any author, dead or alive, who would you like to spend a day with? Uh, when I was young and I was drinking and I was crazy, I'd have said Brendan Behan and I'd have gone on the piss around Ireland with him on the Guinness and listened to him singing and telling all his tales. And from what I've read about all his stuff, he had a fantastic sort of memory for like um, poetry and, you know, bards and he could reel off old like... Um, rebel songs and stuff like that so and he'd like to proper get into his drink so you'd have a really good rowdy drinking session around the irish pubs and you'd have a good like sing song with him and you'd have a good laugh definitely brendan Bean. um but then if i were thinking of him more like refined about it i'd say like oscar wilde or someone like that do you know what i mean just just because of what he did um just to quiz his brain um probably i'd be able to open up and connect like with the prison stuff where he'd been in like reading jail and sort of writ the things like, you know, the, um, I forgot, I forgot what, it, what I'm on about, but the, um, this is the thing as well, when you forget something, it's like, you think, shit, what, what's the bloody, the ballad of Red in Jail is what I'm trying to say. So I'd probably be able to connect with Oscar Wilde on like prison ways, but then he's a lot more refined than myself, do you know what I mean? So I'd be interested in what, what he could tell me and that I'd like to listen to. I think it'd be something where I'd be more listening than I'd be talking, which is always good, do you know what I mean? So, but I think with, with Brendan Bian, I'd have, if I were on the drink, if I were on the Guinness and the whiskey in Ireland, I'd have, I'd have given him as good as he'd have given me, so. <laughs> They're my two. Awesome. Um, and so what's coming next for you? I'm just, again, I'm busy on this easy target. So at the minute, like, the guy whose bucket is Chris Burton, he's situated in York. Um, he's just opened his own bank, online banking, called Devereux Banking. Um, lots of stuff had gone on last year. We were down at London at the courts. He'd been made bankrupt for £6.2 million. Pounds. Couldn't run a business. He's back up on his feet. He's, he's back, back doing what he knows how to do best. This guy's somebody that if you put him in a room and went, You've got 24 hours to build me a business, sort of business concepts. He'd come out with something, you know, he's, he's very 